Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Tomorrow we recognize the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, and uh, it's in my in my mind it's one of the great uh, moments in the 20th century. Uh, that is the apparitions of Fatima. It's one of the great moments in the 20th century where we see uh, miraculous activity. We see huge geopolitical changes, and we get prophecy, uh, as well as exhortation from the Blessed Mother as to what we can do to change world history. With me right now to talk about Our Lady of Fatima and stories associated uh, with Fatima is Peggy Stanton. Peggy is a dame of the Alter, uh, Order of Malta. She's uh, ABC News' first female Washington correspondent and has hosted uh, many programs on Ave Maria Radio, including the Malta Minute with the Catechism. She now serves as our correspondent at large for Crest in the Afternoon. And Peggy, good to have you back here. Thank you, Al. Good to be with you. Well, uh, the the stories associated with Fatima are intriguing, they're powerful, they're inspirational. What do you think people remember most, or what flashes in their mind? What's their association? When they say Fatima, what do you think people think of? Well, well I think the, probably one of the first things they think of is the miracle of the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, I, I frankly wonder how many people know exactly what happened. Do you know what happened? Uh, I think I do. On October 13th of 1917, uh, we had this uh, miracle of the sun, which purported that hundreds of people at least uh, saw some, you know, meteorological phenomenon. Uh, it's still debated. It's it's miraculous, but it's debated exactly if there was a natural substratum that enabled it um, to happen. Father Stanley uh, Yaki uh, believed that uh, it, we could identify the phenomenon that occurred there. But really? It was, yes, but it, but it is such a rare, uh, it is so rare that the very, uh, the very claim, remember everybody was looking for it. Everybody had gathered for it. Yeah, all right. And the, the, <laughs> the kids she- didn't know about it. The kids... This was not predicted by any meteorolo- meteorologist or anybody. So, only only yeah. the Blessed Mother. Exactly, exactly. She, so. she, she predicted, well, she didn't say what was going to happen. She said uh, three on three different apparitions before October 13th, mm-hmm. uh, she told them there would be a miracle on October 13th, uh, yeah. 1917. So 70,000 people had gathered there, not just hundreds, thousands and thousands of people. Um, and and the, the reason I wonder, asked the question, did you uh, know precisely what happened? But this is the description of, there, uh, th- there's a chapter in the book by uh, Joseph, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Pranation. Okay. Um, and he, the book is called The Fruits of Fatima. But he has a description given, and they all give roughly the same description, but this is by a university professor. She says, The sun spun around uh, on itself in a mad whirl. uh, They described it like a wheel turning and turning. And then suddenly there was a clamor or cry of anguish breaking from all the people. 
the sun, swirling wildly, seemed to loosen itself from the firmament and advance threateningly upon the earth, as if to crush us with its huge and fiery weight. The sensation during those moments was terrible. Uh, and then the surrounding area and the people all during this phenomenon all changed colors, now amethyst, now yellow, now purple. Um, and when the sun returned to its normal place, everyone and everything, including the sea of mud in which they had been sinking, because uh, there had been a drenching rain for hours, mm-hmm. was dry. Everybody was perfectly dry. Yeah, yeah. Father John DeMarkey spent seven years uh, in Fatima from 1943 right. to 1950, trying right. to make sure that he had interviewed uh, surviving witnesses. Right. And, uh, and that's why I came up with the hundreds. I knew that uh, the 70,000 figure was out there. But in terms yeah. of those who were actually uh, listed as yeah. Uh, witnesses, yeah. he, he had hundreds of people from all walks of life. Yeah. Uh, different economic classes, right. uh, different right. ages. Uh, and he said that, look, uh, they, yes, they vary in some of the minor details, but basically the testimony of these hundreds of people was uh, unanimous mm-hmm. as to the fundamental uh, fact of what we call the, the, the dancing of the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, uh, did you ever hear the story of the tangled rosaries? Uh, I don't think so. This was, uh, there was a, uh, it may have been father who interviewed, someone interviewed who had been doing a lot of research on Fatima, but there was one woman who had been an eyewitness, and she lived for a very long time, and she <laughs> felt she always wanted to have someone ask her if she wanted to tell the story, because she, <laughs> <laughs> she witnessed it. She said that um, lots of the people had brought their rosaries up to the area where the apparitions occurred and just put them there to be near the Blessed Mother. And when uh, all of the phenomena was over and the apparition was over, they came, all these people came back to claim their rosary, of course, but the rosaries were all tangled up. And so you can imagine, how, how do you figure out whose rosaries is whose? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. but, the, but the children... Uh, who were riding on the backs of of um, people who were trying to protect them as they were leaving the area, saw this, and they slid off the backs of the people who were carrying them and took hold of the rosary and picked them up and handed them, and they were completely untangled, and everybody got their own rosary back. Huh. No, I hadn't heard that story. No, and I, this woman just she was just dying to tell that story because she witnessed it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> Did you know Padre Pio received a healing, a miraculous healing from uh, Our Lady of Fatima? Uh, I had heard that. I've never read anything on it. So tell me. Yeah, well, he was in 1959. He was had been very, very ill for a long period of time with pleurisy. And so ill, you know, that he couldn't even uh, say Mass. And um, at the same time, Our Lady, via her statue, was uh, touring Italy and a number of different places where they were celebrating her to great acclaim. Uh, And she was uh, destined to finish in, now you have to help me pronounce this name, Foggia, F-O-G-G-I-A. That's as good as I would do. (laughs) (laughs) 
if there are any Fogians out there who, who want to protest, let us know. Uh, anyway, it was she was going to finish in a massive festival, but no one seems to know why. She was traveling via helicopter. She made a detour and wound up at Padre Pio's monastery in San Giovanni Rotondo. <laughs> and... Um, he, she there was a mass there, I guess, and he actually was able to get down for that. He, of course, didn't say it and was able to kiss the statue. But afterwards, he was up in his window looking out and seeing uh, the helicopter that was taking her away. And he, he said something like, um, you came here and I, I am sick and you are leaving me ill. <laughs> and the helicopter apparently circled the monastery three times, and then Padre Pio felt, while it was circling, felt uh, um, a big shudder in through his out his body, and he knew at that moment he knew he was cured immediately. Wow, really? Yeah. No, I did not. I had not heard that. I story. hadn't heard that story yeah, either. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, this is these are uh, stories, and I like to point out to people too that in our lives, we often have experiences that uh, you know the newspapers aren't there to write them down, the television yeah. cameras aren't there to get it, right. but those things happen. They're real. Right. They're every exactly. bit as real as things that get photographed, and it, we should never neglect the sharing of what God has done in our lives. Uh, yeah. And I think this is a this is a good example of it here. I'd never come across that story before. No, uh, I hadn't either. And, and so I, you know, this is uh, really uh, again a very very edifying story. And I guess um, I'd like to point out too that apparently the mural of the sun was intended uh, to validate the messages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's important to point out too because That's why I mentioned it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is it's important for us to uh take the blessed mother's word seriously. Uh when she says this is this is the point of this miracle. It's to put emphasis back on what really is the most important thing, and that is the message, not mm-hmm. the phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, it happens a, a similar phenomena happens. I think I've told you this regularly in Medjugorje, and and uh, if, and people can watch it and not have anything happen to their eyes, which is amazing. Hmm. It, Did, how frequent uh, is and that? Would you believe that um, every time I'm there? Uh, people report it almost daily, and it really? did. It did show up, you know. And I was so dumb. I, I, I think I've mentioned to you that, as much as people say it, I am afraid to look at the sun for fear. Of, <laughs> that's yeah. how little faith I have. Yeah. Um, I was. I made a video of of, of the last trip, and uh, I was focusing my camera on the huge crowd that was there. And I wasn't paying attention to the sun, but when I saw, I apparently caught, I can see it a little bit, a, a bit of it, uh, the sun doing its thing. And I, But a building is kind of obscuring it, but um, I said, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't realize what was going on. I'd have 
shifted the camera. But she did say to Mariana, one of the visionaries, uh, there repeatedly says, Our Lady told her what I began in Fatima, I will finish in Medjugorje. Hmm. Fascinating. Now, there were three visions following the miracle of the sun. Did you know that? Um, I didn't know that. Just the the vision of the Holy Family. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the vision, that was, and of course, um, Sister Lucy. Peggy, can you stay with me another segment? Yes, sure. Okay, we'll keep keep going here because there's a, again, this is unpacking remarkable treasures. Peggy Stanton, my guest, we're taking a look at Fatima. Uh, Again, going to some of the stories that are not as well known in this all in preparation, of course, for uh, uh, tomorrow's feast day of Our Lady of Fatima. I'm Al Cresta. We'll be right back. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Peggy Stanton, Dame of the Order of Malta, and our correspondent at large, looking at Fatima and some of the stories that are not so well known. Uh, We were talking uh, earlier about uh, Padre Pio's healing, uh, uh, again, connected with Our Lady of Fatima, the story of the tangled rosaries, um, the visions, three visions that followed the miracle of the sun. uh, And we're going to continue our conversation. We were talking about the vision of the Holy Family, um, and uh, you, you—I'm uh, trying to think here. Um, you also have the vision of Our Lady in the brown scapula, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Well, the, uh, she says uh, in her book, Sister Lucia, um, who is the only seer who lived to be in her nineties and just died. What Al? Maybe five years yeah, ago? I, I don't. Not very relatively recently. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And she said in her book, God chose to conclude the message in Fatima on October 1917 with three further apparitions. And she, this is quoting her, which I regard as three more calls placed before us. Uh, and, and then she describes that, of course, the rest of the, the big crowd didn't see these, the, the, the uh, visionaries did. But the first vision was of the Holy Family, and uh, it was Mary and St. Joseph, who was holding the baby Jesus in his arms, and both Joseph and Jesus uh, uh, traced a, with their fingers a blessing, like of the cross, I assume. Um, and, and she said later in 1981, Sister Lucia wrote to a cardinal, she said, the final battle between the Lord and the kingdom of Satan will be about marriage and the family. She said, don't be afraid. Whoever works for the sanctity of marriage and the family will be opposed in every way because this this is interesting, the decisive issue. And so in a wow. sense, God gave us a visual model to imitate wow. the holy family. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. Uh, you you mentioned uh, in your notes uh, a vision of Our Lady in the brown scapula. Right, tell right. Me, tell me about that. Yeah, I think people wonder why, and I can remember, Al, actually as a little kid, um, it, my, my mother making sure we had the scapula. Yeah, around. me too. Do yeah. you too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, it, was, it was one of those things where yeah. as a kid, yeah. there was... It, it, 
it was always what kind of, what kind of Catholic are you? Are you the kind of Catholic that hides the scapula when you go <laughs> yeah. into gym class, yeah. or are you the kid who yeah. wears the scapula during gym class? And I'm glad to say I wore the scapula. I thought it was something creepy about taking it off. So <laughs> I do confess that if I was going in a dress, I would wrap it around my <laughs> slip strap. That's not very good. <laughs> but I but the reason I I'm sure that we all did is because um she actually said, the Blessed Mother, one of her promises from the brown scapular was the person who is wearing it at the time of death will not taste eternal fire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember thinking, oh, boy, I'm going to keep this on. <laughs> but but I'm ashamed to say I don't wear it anymore, so I'm going to run down and get it. <laughs> yeah. 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 But but she said that um, the reason was that... Um, the scapular and the rosary are inseparable, and that um, uh, it is a sign of the cons- of our consecration to Our Lady and to her Immaculate Heart, which 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 is important to our Lord, according to Our Lady, that mm-hmm. this is, He wishes her to be honored that way, and so. Um, John Paul II uh, took the sa- scapular very seriously. Um, after he was shot on May 13, 1981, he instructed his uh, doctor not to remove his scapular. Hmm, and, and the surgeon left it on for the whole operation. Wow. So, well, that's, uh, yeah, obviously that is meant to show uh, a visible sign of consecration. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, the third vision <clears throat> was Our Lady of Sorrows. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is interesting because uh, Dr. Mark Miravalli talks a lot about this. Uh, Mary, according to Sister Lucia, the importance of the vision is that Mary, made one with Christ, is the co-redemptrix of the human race. Mm-hmm. And she explains that by saying how at Calvary, Mary suffered and agonized with him receiving into her immaculate heart the, his last sufferings, his last words, his last agony, and the last drops of his blood uh, in order to offer them to the Father. Interpreting this vision of Our Lady of Sorrows, Sister Lucia says that God wishes to show us the value of suffering, sacrifice, and immolation for the sake of love, in the world of today, hardly anyone wants to hear these truths, such is the extent, this is still Sister Lucia talking, such is the extent to which people are living in search of pleasure, empty worldly happiness, and exaggerated comfort. But the more one, this is a, a, a good point, I think, but the more one flees from suffering, the more we find ourselves immersed in a sea of afflictions, disappointments, and sufferings. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be seeing the canonization of uh, Charles D. Foucault uh, this Sunday, and this is uh, a re- just a remarkable man with uh, great devotion uh, to the Eucharist, uh, who was really uh, martyred for the faith around 1916 in mm. um, southern Algeria oh. by Muslim bandits. Uh, and oh. it's an extraordinary story, but. Um, I, I bring this up because our, our Lady of Sorrows uh, is an important figure 
mm-hmm. uh, in, in his life, in this idea oh, really? of yeah. suffering suffering with Christ mm-hmm. and making up in one's body that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions, as St. Yeah. Paul puts it yeah. in uh, his letter to the Colossians. Um, the... You know, this, uh, people forget that there's actually biblical material dealing with the sufferings and sorrows of Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got the, the uh, say that the sword will pierce her heart. Right, know? right. And we should, I mean, that's, we should take that with great seriousness. That's an, that's an act of suffering uh, for, the sake of the, for the sake of the salvation of others. And so when we talk about Mary as co-redemptrix, uh, we're not talking about her um uh, in some sort of com- competitive way with Jesus in doing or the work of or even or even equal no because yeah right exactly the co-pilot in an airplane is is not the pilot right <laughs> right yeah and so but she's she everybody we have to continue to remember that the body that Jesus had was her flesh mm-hmm. um, and so there's a great mystery here uh, that we I just wrote out there in a suggestive way because um, I don't think we I know that I know that I as as important as I knew the incarnation was for mm-hmm. many years as a Christian yeah. right. I didn't think concretely enough about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, one way to think concretely about it is to say who donated Jesus's body. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who gave him a body? Yeah. yeah, who yeah. gave him a body? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. So. And there was a, you know, there are all kinds of reasons that that God chose that way to redeem the world, but one of which was uh, simply taking on humanity, a human flesh, you know, and, and as you said, He had to take it on from someone. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, I, I did a commentary this week on the the future pro life future after the Dobbs decision. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I mentioned was Our Lady of the Rosary and, right. and the importance of us to remember that uh, this abortion struggle that we see is not going to be solved simply by uh, passage of human laws. Uh, this right. is going to have to be a spiritual change in the hearts and minds of the American people. Right. And we should remember uh, our, our Blessed Mother here because she has frequently taken part in some important uh, battles throughout history, mm-hmm. and think of the Battle uh, of Lepanto, right? Uh, Our Lady of the Rosary, and so, uh, what what was um, what did the Blessed Mother say about the importance of the Rosary in the Fatima message? Well, she asked for us to say it daily, uh, and it's considered the most powerful prayer after the Mass, and she said. Um, she said to bring uh, peace to the world and an end to the war. And of course, we're now we're in a war again. Uh, pray the rosary every day. And she, Sister Lucia said uh, that besides the mass, the rosary is the most pleasing prayer we can offer to God and one which is most advantageous to our own souls. Mm-hmm. And if such were not the case, she said, Our Lady would not have asked for it so insistently. And then you know, when he, uh, another explanation I ran across uh, in these Fatima messages was that uh, God, in his wisdom and his kindness, uh, has pressed for a prayer that 
frankly, it's very easy to say. I mean, you can say it anywhere, any place, with anyone, by yourself, mm-hmm. uh, and you can have a direct connection to God yeah. instantly uh, with this rosary. It's also another thing I think that we need to think about, certainly made a difference with me. It's the biography of Christ. Right. It's, a, it's like a compendium of the gospel story. Yes. And that that is very important to keep in mind because, again, what is our, as St. Paul says, the, what is the aim of our instruction? Yeah. Well, love from a pure heart in imitation of Christ. Mm-hmm. So this is, um, people say, well, what do you strive for with all your devotions? Well, we strive to be uh, conformed uh, to Christ. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, then the rosary is that biography of Christ, as you say. Yeah. Well, and you think about one, the, uh, I should mention that uh, Sister Lucia uh, kind of wrapped up the, she said if you had to wrap up the whole message in, uh, this is not her words, in a sentence, it would be like this. It would be to say, return to God and his law. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that seems way too simple, but think about that. You know, that's all he's saying is, come back to me. I created you. I love you. I want you to come home and spend eternity with me. Just please stop sinning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and we can do this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but we don't get it. I, I think part of it is we're very easily distracted. Mm-hmm. And we. one of the things to remember is that purity of heart means singleness of purpose. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I do think, again, uh, this is one of the things that the rosary is most effective at, and that is giving us um, clarity of purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do that uh, through the prayer, but the prayer also helps us in purifying our own heart. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I find, I, I confess, and I say it, ever, and I even say the three, try to say the three mysteries, uh, throughout the day, but um, I have a very hard time with it because my mind gets very distracted. Sure, but I, I always find one thing at the end of a rosary: you always feel peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you agree with that? I do. I do. Um, and one of the things we have to do is stop talking right now because <laughs> yeah. I, I hear the music coming yeah. up. Peggy, great talking with you. With- Great to be with you, Al. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Again, Peggy Stanton joining us uh, with some thoughts uh, on Fatima and, of course, the message of Fatima, which includes sacrifice, uh, the rosary. I'm Al Cresta.